Episode 5 of My Life is a Junk Drawer. And then... Welcome to My Life is a Junk Drawer with your host, me, Sue Mangum. This podcast is meant to help you clean out the junk in your heart, soul, body, and yes, junk drawer. Thanks for listening. Welcome and thanks for joining us today. This episode is the most revealing and vulnerable episode yet. My charming and engaging friend, Moni, opens up and triumphantly tells her story of courage and perseverance. Moni is a wife and a mother and a businesswoman, and her whole life has changed when she was diagnosed with breast cancer at 42. Moni shows us how to lean into hard times without letting them take control of your life, doing everything possible for a positive outcome, and then giving back to those that helped. Moni reveals some of the most intimate details about her battle. Stay tuned to the end when we go from laughing hysterically about her junk drawer items to tender tears of friendship and appreciation. And here we go. So Moni and I met about five years ago. I think it's been yeah, about five years. Five years ago. We, um, right after my sweet Nikki passed away in 2014, I decided that I wanted to do um, the three-day, 60-mile breast cancer walk here in Atlanta. And we have another friend that was battling cancer herself, and she wanted to do a big team. And even though it was really fresh, the death was really fresh, in August, I was just like, I want to do it. And Michelle said, yes, do it. And then, um, so we had a group of... 18, I think. It was, 18. It was a huge group. <laughs> Which is a lot of women to be together <laughs> in, you know, tents together and all of that. But she was just so into it, and she made these this big poster and decorations and everything and so the first walk Monty and I were a little bit miserable (laughs) (laughs) it was a long walk apparently everybody wanted to walk every step and they wanted to walk it really fast (laughs) we're shorter than the rest of our team was with with shorter legs (laughs) yes and somehow we kind of as you know with 18 we kind of got into groups and I got into like the fast walking group and then Monty got into a fast walking group. And so we knew each other and we, we, but we didn't really walk together too much in that walk, but we got through it and everybody's like, Oh, I don't think I'm going to do that again. But Michelle rallied us and the next year we decided to do it again. And we being the smart people that we are, we're saying we are not going to do this the same way. First of all, we decided we were going to stay in a hotel instead of tenting because... a smaller group, right? Yes, So some of the women were like, I'm never doing that again. I just can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we went back like down to maybe even like eight people. Yeah, I think it was like eight people. So... Uh, I we reserved some hotel rooms. Michelle was um, wanted to tent again. We're like, you are more than welcome right. to tent again, but we are going to stay in a hotel. the The people in the uh, the the arena decide that you should be awoken at what five fifteen mm-hmm. in the morning for a seven forty five. Um, it does not call. take me that long to get ready. <laughs> it really doesn't. No, we were all like, what? <laughs> and so that was our first really good thing we did. And then Monty and I had gotten to know each other a lot better over the year. And her and I just were like, you know what? We're going to walk at our own pace. If we need to stop to go to the bathroom, we're going to find a bathroom, hopefully not a porta potty. And we're not going to, we That's don't right. desire we're, to walk all 60 miles. We were like conjoined twins. Yes. <laughs> and we, it was, it was, we, we say we 
started dating on the first walk <laughs> and that we got married on the second walk, you know, figuratively. <laughs> but we just really bonded because when you spend three days walking and you can't have earbuds and you can't have anything else, you really get to know people. And we just super enjoyed each other and everybody who walked fast walked That's fast. Right. And we had, my husband was great. He would come and pick us up. Michelle was actually doing a little bit. She couldn't walk as much. And anyway, so long story short, then we ended up doing it again That's and right. again. But and, and every year we said, this is going to be my last year. And, and every year it was, it wasn't our last year. year. I know. There was we, always something there was that came up. always a reason. That's right. But um, we'll get more into that as we come. So I'm going to, so anyways, here's Monty Young, <laughs> my sweet and beautiful friend. Five years later, we're here together. And so I'm going to start, um, tell us a little bit about your career path, because you are a very highly professional woman in a very um, male-dominant world career path, I guess, yeah. maybe. So, so I think it's kind of crazy, because because as I think about you know the job I have, I don't know that I set out when I was in college to do this. I, I was sort of one of those people who's like, I picked a major at the very, very last minute, and I think it was like the next day, and I was just like, you know what, how about... Marketing. That sounds that sounds not too hard, but but serious enough because it's in the school of business, and and so I just went with it. Um, I had you know, and and my first job out of college, I absolutely hated. It was awful, and I quit after a year. Um, and then I went back to Florida State to, to do something a little bit more technical, which is now why I'm in this male dominated um, career. And then years later, I met uh, my husband Damon who, and I actually met him at work. I had an opportunity to move to Atlanta and work for a large consulting firm and, and he was the customer. And you're an MIS, right? Management, That's right. Okay. Management information systems. Anybody yep. out there? Very techie. She's a techie. That's right. <laughs> she could probably make both of my microphones work. <laughs> so, so we met and the crazy thing was, so, so we met, we, you know, fell in love, got married. Um, and then I was, you know, on this career path and I was traveling all the time and I was loving my job. So I was traveling all the time. And then I got pregnant and I was like, wow, do I really want to travel all the time after I have kids? Do I really want to work after I had kids? And I really wasn't sure. So um, Dave and I made the decision together just to, for me to quit working. My pregnancy was very difficult with the twins. Everybody's like, twins is so great. <laughs> but the pregnancy really not so great. I mean, every complication you could imagine, yeah. I had it. So I was on bed rest for, let's see, um, they were due in March. I went on bed rest in early December. Wow. Yeah. That's and a so long they came time. in February. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it would be really fun. That's right. It's not. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's a lot of reading, a lot of TV watching, and a lot of friends. And that was before them. Netflix. <laughs> right. Yeah. There, there was no binge watching at that time. Uh, so, yeah. So, I, um, you know, they were born healthy. They had to spend a little bit of time in the NICU, which was, which was tough. Right. Um, because I did have to come home without them. But... I decided I was in no rush to go back to work. So I took, I want to say a year and a half or almost two years off. And I said, okay, I'm going to ease myself back into the workforce, but I didn't want the big job I had before. I wanted um, an easier job with zero, 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 zero percent travel. So I went back to this company and they said, yes, zero percent travel, no worries. And then lo and behold, I kind of got into the job and they really liked me. And they said, you're, you're really customer facing. And I said, 
Yes, but they <laughs> we have said. these little baby, baby <laughs> twins at home, and I'm not interested in traveling. It is a requirement of me having this job. Right. And they continued to sort of push me to say, but can't you make this one exception, or can't you possibly do this? And I really felt like there's a lot of pressure for me to travel, so I, um, so I quit because I didn't want to travel. So how long were you there with them? I was them? there six months. Oh, wow. So and, and they I said put I would the never, pressure yeah, on right I, away. That's right. I said I would never... Even the job I had right after college, like I hated it, but I was like, I'll never quit before a year. I got to give everything a year. And this was like, I just wasn't. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So I looked for another job and I landed with this company called Choice Point. And they were, they were like, we get it. The position you're in is 0% travel. We're not going to push you to travel. It was in technology. And so 15 years later, I'm still there. Choice Point was bought by LexisNexis. So I've just sort of grown back up in the company. And I have a position now where I travel, but the twins are, you know, 15 years old. Right. And so, you, it's, it's more limited travel too, right. right? At a certain period of time, mostly. Exactly. So, yeah. Right. So you kind of took baby steps going up the ladder again, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I did. And, and, it's, and it's tough because it's always, you know, it's always a struggle between, you know, mom life and, and work life. Yes. And I always pick mom life. And, and it's important, I think, to be with a company that lets you pick mom life. Yes. You know? Yeah. And kudos to them for doing yeah. it because there's a lot of companies that don't care. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anytime I was like, you know, the girls have a doctor's appointment, got to go, or the girls are sick, sick, I need to work from home. And they're like, yep, that's your priority. Yes. And that's a compliment to you because you're a valued employee to them. So they know to treat you well. So... Do you want to tell us the funny story about you meeting Damon and how you weren't supposed to really be dating him and then you dated him? Right. We'll go back just a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I said I was um, a consultant and he was the client. And, and at this consulting company, it was okay if you dated other consultants within the company, but you were never supposed to date the client, right? Because uh. that kind of gets messy. So so we were somewhat secretly dating I um and you were very career driven at that point, right? You were kind of yeah. like, I don't know if I want to get married. That's I don't right. know if I want to have kids. That's right. That yeah, that's a good point. I you know when I was in college, I was like, and even in my young twenties, I was like, don't be ridiculous. Why would I ever get married? <laughs> Children? Wow. No, it's it's far too overwhelming. I'm gonna have this you know great career and I'm gonna have all these friends and and I'm you know and and I would love to be surrounded by other people's children but not mine and other people's husbands to to hang out with and be friends with but not my own right so um (laughs) so so yeah we we started dating and um we weren't supposed to and I rolled off the project and was scheduled to go to another client and they said well actually we would like you back at you know this same customer that Damon at the time was at and I was like oh so in the couple of weeks that I've been rolled off the project, I started dating someone. <laughs> I don't know how believable it was, but it could have been believable. So they said, okay, you know, that's okay because that this role isn't in his department. So you'll be fine. So he wasn't like your client client. That's right. That's right. Different department, same company. And so then how, what was the transition when, when was the aha moment that you thought that you wanted to spend the rest of your life with him? Um, when he was down on one knee with a ring. Oh, really? Yes. You've never even thought of him before? I, like, <laughs> I don't think I heard that. It was very unexpected. I was like, what is that? He's like, and I don't even know that I remember it because I was so shocked. So I was, surprised. I was like, That's, is that for what? <laughs> 
just because we were just having this wonderful relationship. We've been dating, I think, for maybe just over a year, maybe a year and a half. And right. I, I mean, I was really happy, but right. I wasn't thinking past this is really cool. You're right. Um, and yeah, so then he proposed and I was like, I don't even think, I think I just said, okay. <laughs> I think my first word was, oh my God. Right. <laughs> and then I said, okay. And he's like, is that, like, yes. Was that a yes? Or, I'm, that, I'm so, you know, and I was just like, okay. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, then, then we were engaged. And you've celebrated 15, 16 years now? Oh gosh. 17 years? 17 years. 17 no, years. Is it? Oh. Almost 17. July 17? So 2001. Yeah. So it'll be 17. 18. It's 19. 2001, it's the year of 19. Oh, so 18 years. Holy moly. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good for someone that's never going to get married. I know. Exactly. <laughs> and then how did you, did you just naturally roll into deciding to have children? I did. Or I, I were said, you going to just have one and then you had twins? I was just going to have one. And I was going to say, I was just going to say, I'm going to have one and I'm going to see how this goes. And um, I had like at the time, like a little small car and I said, this is perfect. I'll just put one little car seat in the middle. It'll be great. And then, um, yeah. And then we went to the doctor and he was like, huh. And I was like, what? You know, we did the heartbeat test and and I was like, what what does that mean? What does humming? He goes, just, we need to probably do an ultrasound. I'm like, no, no, we don't need to know what's why. (laughs) And and so they were, you know, it was either one baby with a really irregular heartbeat or it was two babies. Oh, and it was two babies. Oh my gosh. And the funniest thing was, um, so weeks later we went back and I guess the doctor had forgotten. He told us that we were having oh. twins <laughs> and he said, there's another one. And Damon face went white and he oh. goes, there are three. <laughs> and the doctor's like, oh no, I already told you they were two. Oh uh, my gosh. Oh, I wish I could have seen Damon's yeah. face. <laughs> he was like three. He goes, no, no, just two. I already told you twins. And we're like, yes, yes. you told us twins last time. Oh, like your throat is like, oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just lost my train of thought with the, oh, do twins run in your family? They don't, which yeah. is why so I was so surprised. I mean, I mean, like, I think my mother's cousin had, but nothing that's like, not my mom, not my grandma, not my anything else they just wow yeah it was crazy we were very very surprised (laughs) and now they're 15 yes and in high school we're gonna go back a little again now um to so we talked a little bit about our friend michelle and her battle with breast cancer and then my friend gee who um lost her battle with cancer and then michelle unfortunately ended up Losing her battle, and then in was it 2013 that you started your battle? Yep. Okay, yep, that sounds about right. You want to kind of tell us what happened and how your and then moment came? Yeah, yeah, crazy. My yeah. and then I had breast cancer, uh, and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was. Um, so I went in for a um, regularly scheduled mammogram, right? And they're like. Huh. You know, I think we, we all know we should go in regularly for mammograms, even if they say don't go in, you know, anything you can do to get yourself in there. It doesn't hurt. It, it's sort of a pain, but really just take time out of your life to do that because that was mine. It wasn't, I didn't have a, I have no history of um, cancer in my family. I have like heart disease. So I was like, if I'm going to die of something, it's going to be heart disease. It's definitely not going to be cancer. Oh my gosh. So, so no family history. So I was like, and you were 42. Two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so very young yeah, too, right? Because yes. they don't even start recommending mammograms really until forty, right? So, and I had a baseline mammogram, and the baseline mammogram was fine, right? So, one clear mammogram doesn't mean 
Yes. You know, so so I think it's, it's just important to go back in every year. So yeah, so I went in and they said, you know, we're just going to, we see something and we'd just like to like biopsy it. And I was like, but it's probably fine. And they were like, and this was, this was like right before Christmas. It was right before Christmas. Yeah. You know, everybody kind, yeah. of, kind of goes in at the end of the year. Yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yep. it's right before Christmas. So I remember being at work actually and getting a phone call. And I was like, okay, let me just go find like a place to talk. And, and there's just this anonymous voice on the phone that said, or he didn't say cancer. He said something malignant carcinoma, uh, ductal, blah, blah. So, and I was just, I mean, like, what? Like, I was like, does that mean I have cancer? And he said, yes. Uh, and I was like, oh. you know, and I was just like, I froze. I was like, he's like, do you have any questions? And I was like, <laughs> Well, I think I have like a million questions, <laughs> a million. And then I don't even know where, what right. to say. So I said, um, no, I don't have any questions. <laughs> and he said, are you sure? And I said, can I get your number? I'm going to have my husband call you back. Right. And he said, sure. You know, no problem. So I called Damon and I'm like, Hey, here's what's going on. And, um, he's like, okay, we can handle this. We're going to get through it. And so he, um, he called, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay at work. There's, I'm, you know, I'm just, there's no, I'm just going to roll with it. I'm going to stay at work. I'll see Damon when I get home tonight. I'll figure out, you know, who said what, um, I went back to my desk and I was like, you were thinking rationally. I was like, I've really got to get to this meeting. Uh, uh, you isn't know. that funny? Oh my gosh. I had a miscarriage and I did the exact same thing. Yeah, it's like he told we, me. We just like, he's like, yeah, we really should probably go ahead and do a D&E. And I was like, no, I have to go to work tomorrow. And I have this dinner to like, it was just he, like that This shock. is interfering with my life. Yes, like, yeah, no, this yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, this is very inconvenient yeah. for me. Yeah. It's sort of what I was like, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll deal with that tomorrow or the next day. Yeah, or, there's yeah. no point. Nothing's going to happen yeah. today. What am I going to do? Yeah. Just go sit at home and think about it? Yeah. So I was like, I'm just going to focus on work. I texted one of my girlfriends. I had a couple of girlfriends that work with me that you know I'm really close to. And, and, and she came up and she's like, she's like you're not going to stay. Yeah. And I was like, well, I mean, it's not. I just, yeah, let's. She goes, you're not. And she was all dressed up in this like suit and she had this huge meeting downtown. I was like, you can't like, she's like, we're going to leave the office together. We're going to go, we're going to have lunch and we're just going to get out of the office. And I was like, no, you have this huge meeting. This is, and and it was a meeting that she was preparing for for months. And she was like, nope, we're leaving. She called her boss and her boss said, yep, I got it. See you. I'll cover the meeting. We hung out for, you know, an hour and a half and just chatted. And then I went home and, and Dave and I talked about it and we decided not to tell the girls right away. We we're like, okay, we're just going to deal with this. And we eventually told the girls. We did tell them before. We we're like, do we ruin their Christmas? Do we not ruin their Christmas? Right. So the biopsy happened right before yeah, Christmas? I think it was like the 7th, 16th okay. of December. We wanted to know a little bit more about it. Um, we wanted to know the plan. Eventually, we did tell them before Christmas. We we, we have a tradition of, of going down to like a Coney sometimes for the holidays. So, so we wanted to tell them before then. And that was, I think, the hardest I was thing. Say, that was that's the hardest thing I've be, ever done. Yeah. Because they're like, well. A million questions, you, yeah, too. Like, and the first ones, are you going to die? Right. Ugh, and it's like, and you chills. say no, even though you don't know. Right. So it was. you want to protect your that's children. Right. Because you're like, no. And, you know, and it's, you know, as I was 
trying to tell them, I was like, nope. <laughs> I was like, I'm just, <laughs> I'm trying to tell myself that <laughs> you're like, nope, we're yeah. not going to, this is, we're going to battle it and we're going to beat it. Yeah. So we told them, and yeah. And they're, I'm, are you going to die? You know, it was, am I going to get this? Like, yeah, but, and yeah. that's the crazy thing because now when they go to the doctor and check the box of does, does, do you have a family history of cancer? Yeah. They now have a, they have a very strong family history right. of cancer. So then you start thinking, well, gosh, am I, did I, did I give this to my kids now? And then you have a, like a sense of guilt and it's just crazy. It is, isn't it? Your mind just goes to places where it's not even rational right. because you, you didn't do anything. Right. It just happened. I think the funniest thing was one of the twins, you know, they noticed I had doctor's appointments and dad was taking me, taking, you know, mom to the doctor and they thought I was pregnant. No. <laughs> <laughs> they always wanted to have a baby something because right. being twins. And they, they were, were 12, was it 12? They were 12. 12. Yeah. yeah. So, so they, they were, they're like, mom's, mom's pregnant. Twins. We're going to have a baby brother. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, and then you tell them that they're like, yeah, they're like oh, well, damn. No, we <laughs> Jeez. That was not like, what yeah. I thought at all. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you went and had the surgery. I did. Um, I did Before chemo first. Oh, that's right. So your was, first chemo was on December 30th, right? Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Eve. And it was crazy because there's so many decisions that you have to make. Right. Now tell us, so what led to doing the chemo first over doing a surgery? So really between in the, in 10 days, you visited doctors and had to make decisions and I mean, life changing, altering, what do I do? Where do I go? Kind of thing. Yep. Um, Absolutely. I know I Damon was, was kind of a rock. Oh, Damon was, it was we, I would uh, <laughs> kind of make fun of him, but it was great because he would go to the doctor with a notebook yeah. and paperwork and, you know, he had a binder and he was, you know, writing, he's like, here's our questions. And I mean, cause I was really for the whole last two weeks of December, I'm like, just like in shock. Right. He's like, we're going to get through this. I'm like, are we? What's? Oh my gosh! Right. I was. It's so overwhelming yeah. that diagnosis. And it's hard enough to go into a doctor anyway because you forget the questions you're going to ask, and then being in that state of mind, you can't remember anything. Yeah. So, kudos to, to Damon. Yeah, I think it's really for, important to have an advocate if you're married or not. Yeah, having don't do it by yourself. Don't do it by yourself. Because and even if you th- you don't have a husband or you know your children, I don't know if you're divorced or you're going through this. Don't. A friend, I I guarantee you, a friend will say yes. Nobody's going to say sister, brother, it is not the time to be brave. It's it not, not the time, the time to time feed be because you mm-hmm. want to be brave and you want to just hide. This would be a junk drawer thing. This is where you're going to hide all of your pain and agony because you're in shock in the beginning. But I'm telling you, if you take a step and say, I need some help, will you come to this doctor's appointment? I promise you they're going to come. So an advocate is huge because you're too overwhelmed to do it by yourself. And I think sometimes as women, we feel like I have to do it all, right? I have to be strong. Always. And I've always, you know, even when I had the twins, you know, people said, don't go at it alone, you know, get help. So so even when Damon went back to work, you know, my mother-in-law came for a week and then my sister came for a week and then my, then my sister-in-law came for a week and then I had neighbors and, and, you know, you know, Damon had to travel and I was like, okay, yeah. I'm not going to, so I called a girlfriend, you know, phone a friend. I mean, just, you know, I think we just, we so often say I'm invincible and yeah. I'm strong and I'm just, I'm able to do this alone and it's, and it's going to be weak for me to get help from someone, get help from someone. And it's someone. actually stronger. I mean, we're so trained to not talk about these things. And, and I think it's so important to realize that getting help is not 
doesn't make you weak. It makes you strong. And talking about it, it the more you talk about it, the I'm not gonna. I don't want to insignificant. No, but the, the, it, it, it just, becomes, it's easier to deal it's with. Easier, yeah, it's and just it's easier. And it you get you get it's more. Not easy, I don't want to say it's comfortable. You just at least acknowledge. That's it. right. And you have to. I just read something. You have to acknowledge it before you can like move forward on it. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, and and to, your, to your earlier point of, of the the analogy of the junk drawer. I mean, you could just tuck it into a junk drawer and and just. You know, but one day you were going to have to deal with the junk drawer. So it's easier just to go, you know, I'm not going to put this in the junk drawer. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to leave this front and center. I'm going to talk about it. And it's just, like I said, it's, it doesn't make it easy, but it makes it easier than it would have had you tucked it in a junk drawer and 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 not dealt with it. Yeah. Yeah. And just move on. So that's our PSA for today. (laughs) 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 All right. So, um, so you went to all the doctors and they decided that chemo was... It was just, you had to do chemo. Did you have to shrink the tumor? Is that what they were that, trying to do? They were trying, and they, they sort of said, it's up to you. And I'm like, well, what do you mean it's up to me? Yeah. You're a doctor. <laughs> like, tell me what I should do. You're, you, you went to school. You have a degree. Uh, tell I, me what to do. A whole, I could do a whole episode on the things about doctors that I hate. <laughs> Sorry, doctors. You're, you are, there's lots of very caring, loving doctors out yeah. there. But, oh, my and, and my doctors were very good. Yes, yes. But, but, but there, were, there were advantages and disadvantages. You know, so, so I think ultimately... I said, what would you do if it were you, your sister, your mother? Right. And, you know, because some people I think were just saying, I just want the surgery to get it it done. Right. But they wanted to shrink the tumor, see if it responded to chemo, and then do surgery later. But some people are like, I have this cancer inside me and it must go. Right. I never felt like that. I was like, I want to be very rational, even though it's, it's very emotional. But I wanted to say, what is the best thing for this cancer? What is going to to make it? Not go away faster, but 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 go away and stay gone. Right. So yes. so yeah. So, so I did all of it. I and did. That, that's a great. That's great too to step back for a minute because when you have cancer in your body, the first thing you want to do is like yep. c- cut it out, get it out. I I want it gone. Yep. But thinking, listening to the experts and and take it slow and that. And you know, my first chemo was New Year's Eve. You know, and I go back to and and we had neighbors who who took the girls to a New Year's Eve party. I was like. I don't want them to stay home for New Year's Eve. I'm not in, in, a, in a New Year's party. I didn't feel well. So we had neighbors who took them to a party, and, and it was good. I mean, it was good. Yeah. So we really did try to shield them, but not not ignore it. Like, we right. talked about it, but we weren't going to be like, every day. Right. How's mom feeling? Right. Like, no. We tried to go get, this is what's going on, but we also have all these other things going on. And those are good things in our lives, and let's let's concentrate on those. So That's right. Because it's it's, you know, it's so easy to say. I have cancer and this is who I am. Like, nope. Yeah, it is. You know? Truly, it's okay to be sad, though. I mean, because it is. It's, it's, a li- it's a loss. It's a life-altering diagnosis. It's okay to be sad and <clears throat> embrace that. But also, remember, there's good days and there's good things out there. And Yeah, I think it's, it, it's, it's, it's okay to be sad. You know, but I, I think for me, there's so many other, like, amazing things going on in my life. Right. You know, I had this great job. I have a great husband, I have these great kids, I have all these friends and family, and I was like, you know what? We're just going to do this, and we're all going to do it as a village. Like, right. I have this entire village of people who are supporting me. Right. Um, and I couldn't have done it, like I said, without the village. How how long was the chemo and the rounds? And I had four rounds of chemo, so every three weeks, starting January 31st, 
And then before they did the surgery, they wanted me to, I think, heal for four weeks, I think it was. And then I had the surgery. And then and then the decision. So what I really wanted, because I did the full double mastectomy, I was like, I did the full double mastectomy. I did the chemo. I'm not going to have radiation. Right. I'm just not. That's the stats say. I don't have to. If you do all of this, the likelihood of you having radiation are slim to none. Had I chosen lumpectomy, I would have definitely had radiation. I'm like, nope, I'm not going to have radiation. And then I get the phone call. Right. Actually, I I didn't get the phone call. Damon got the phone call. She she wasn't answering the phone at this point. I wasn't taking any more phone calls. (laughs) And they said, we recommend radiation. So what was the situation? Did they, was it in more lymph nodes? Was it a little bit more? And that was what was crazy is that it was, I think they took like four lymph nodes, but it was only in two. Okay. So I was like, why do I need radiation? Right. And so, so my doctor at the time even took, I guess there's something called a tumor board. Who knew? Okay. But, but yeah. that's where cases are on the fence oh, okay. on, on whether you do radiation or not. Oh, she, she was like, okay. your case is very much one that is, that is on the fence. It was right. stage, breast cancer stage two because it was in the breast and a lymph node, notes. right? Because so it goes, automatically goes to two when it gets in the lymph node. That's right. right. It, it was sort of, again, a decision. Like you just expect your doctors to go... Here, here's your playbook and here's your sheet of paper. Go do it. Right. But, but it's not, they're like, you know, your case is very much borderline. You, you could be fine with that radiation, but you might not be fine. Right. And it's tough because you don't want to, I never wanted to look back on something and regret it. Right. Like it came back because I didn't do radiation or it came back because I didn't do double mastectomy. It came back because of whatever. Right. So at that point I was like, I've I've gone this far. Right. Let's just do it and be done with it. Right. And now, I mean, we're talking, this is a long process because you've had chemo, you had to heal, then you had surgery, you have to heal yep. and you had to do expanders and all of that. So is it, was it the following fall that you started was, radiation? So all of this was, was done in a year. So, so we had the chemo in, you know, in the Q1 timeframe of, of, okay. of the year. And then in the Q2, in the May timeframe, I had the, um, the surgery, and then we waited until July 8th to start right. the radiation. We did that for 30 days, and it is every single day. And you didn't have your final surgery. And I didn't have my final surgery okay. until Thanksgiving. That's right. Because we did the walk that year. That's right. That's why we had to do the walk. <laughs> and the third one, here we are, is for Moni. And we have dwindled to, to me and Moni and another one of Moni's friends that had um, just come through. That's right. There, there were three so of us. Only we three went of from us. 18 to three people. <laughs> That's because I remember you, you were still kind of coming off of the radiation side effects yep. and being back. Yeah. I, I think the other thing, I'm not saying I handled cancer great, but, but, but to admit I'm exhausted. Yeah. I can't do everything that I used to be able to do. I'm not going to push myself, you know, mentally or physically. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm just not, if right. I need to take a nap, I'm going to take a nap. Or if I need to, you know, go to bed at eight o'clock, I'm going to go to bed at eight o'clock. Right. I, radiation I, makes you really, really tired. Correct. I think I didn't realize the effects of radiation. I thought chemo, because right, everybody's right. like, chemo, it's terrible, and you lose your hair, and oh my gosh. Right. So I thought, well, I got the chemo. What's radiation? What? So they kind of, you know, do whatever to your whatever, skin. Yeah. I just didn't think it would be a big deal, and maybe that was because it didn't mean losing my hair, which to me was a huge deal. I mean, I mean, it, looking back on the year, I think my most, my moment that I really broke down was 
And the first question I asked was, am I going to lose my hair? And the doctor was like, yep. Yeah. I was like, do I have to lose my hair? She's like, yep. Yeah. You're going to lose your hair. Oh. And now looking back on it, I'm like, it's it just, grew back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. <laughs> but it, I think women, we take our physical. That's and right. our hair is just so important to us. And, and it's funny that that treatment takes your hair because you already – already taking the other feminine right. your boobs right. and they're taking your ovaries and you know taking yep. everything from you and then they take your hair too and it is it's so dramatic yeah it's you know and now looking back I was like okay big deal it was just hair I had this great wig you know I, I was very open with my diagnosis at work but there are people that that just didn't know right. for whatever reason and I remember someone saying honey what did you do to your hair it looks amazing <laughs> You know, you know, and you don't just want to sit there in the middle of the day, you know, in a meeting and yeah. go, I have breast cancer. <laughs> it's just a wig. <laughs> My daughter said, said, you know, mom, one day you've got to just like, if you get really mad at work, say, you're making me so mad. I'm going to rip my hair out and then like take your wig off and throw it on the table. <laughs> and I never did that. But oh, I thought, that would have been so funny. hilarious. And people would have been like, what just happened? <laughs> And then you'd have to get up and leave the room. <laughs> oh my gosh! And so radiation was a little tougher than you realized. Yeah, definitely and I don't tougher think than I realized. We don't. They talk about the effects of chemo really being horrible and terrible, but you're right. We really don't talk about radiation and how hard it can be right. on your body too. Because it, you just think it's it's localized, right? It's right. Not, you know. So so it's just this. You know. But it really is killing cells, right. cells that you need, cells, right. energy cells. And, and, and so I think it was, I, I definitely think I underplayed that a little bit. And I, and I did, I, I did hit a wall sometimes where I was just exhausted or, and right. even months afterwards, I remember I had a work event. So my last radiation was August 5th. I had a work event in the middle of September with customers. And I was like, I'm going to stay out and I'm going to, you know, have a few drinks. And the next day I was like, I can't move. <laughs> it was like, this is crazy. And I, you know, but and it was a month and a half or, you know, a month and a week oh, later. later and it's like, I, why am I not better? Right. My body should be healing, but the effects really did linger. Wow. And it was, I think I interrupted you every day for 28 days. I think it was 28 days or 30 days. 30 days. Yeah. Just yeah, pumping that radiation day. every day. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's crazy. And all in all that, though, you have been... Cancer free for three years. Three years. Yeah. That's awesome. That is amazing. We we applaud. Yes. That. We're, we're gonna keep talking about breast cancer, but change a little bit because Monty's super passionate about this rehabilitation center that had really, really helped her physically, mentally, um, emotionally. The things the surgeons yep. don't know, things that doctors don't know. It's called Turning Point, and it's here in Atlanta, and it is breast cancer rehabilitation. It is. It's breast okay. cancer rehabilitation. And I think the important thing about Turning Point is it really does look at the whole patient, right? Yes. So, so whether it's, you know, it's not just about your diagnosis, but it's about nutrition, exercise, Questions, you know, I sort of, I, I found turning point a bit late in my diagnosis. I wish, um, one of the reasons I'm so vocal about it is because I really want everyone to know about it. Because right. when I was diagnosed, I didn't know about it. Like, I would have loved to have walked in in December and said, I need, Here's what, I need help. Like, I'm just, like, I don't know, chemo first or surgery first or, you know, or radiation or no radiation. Right. So I found out about it as I was trying to um, 
heal from the double mastectomy. You know, I was like, I was like, I feel really tight. I, you know, I'm really in a lot of pain in my shoulders. And my reconstructive surgeon was like, oh, have you heard of this place called Turning Point? I was like, no. And like, here's, you know, a card or referral. And so they referred me to Turning Point. And I had this amazing therapist, Lauren, who just, you know, it was, you know, she'd talk to you and she would tell you the different things. And it's it's very research-based. So it's not opinions. All of it's on, you know, a foundation of research that says, here's the research we need to do. Like my reconstructive surgeon gave me this kind of silly exercise that was sort of like walk your fingers up the wall and walk your fingers down the wall. And you're thinking about it, that's not how your shoulders are supposed right. to move. Right. Right. So, so from exercises to nutrition to just like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Right. It was great. I mean, and what did you get? What, what did you get? That's from the radiation. What's it? So it's called cording cording. There's something, so there's one lymphedema, which, you know, we were on the lookout for where you just have like a swelling because you've gotten lymph nodes removed. I never had that. I did have cording, which was something, it's just sort of like you can feel it. It's almost like cords in your arm. Yeah. So it's just something where, you know, you you feel a tightness in your arm and, and, you know, Lauren actually showed me how to find it and how to, how to know that it was there. And there, and there's some sort, you know, there's self things that you can do. And then they also have like a, I think it's like a laser or something that they use at turning point. But yeah, the whole, it, it was just very holistic. Like it, it was from anything they had, they have Pilates classes, they have nutrition classes. They're like, you know, they have education therapy. I mean, they have all of it. So, so I just think it's really important. And are they a nonprofit? They are or? a nonprofit. Okay. Yeah. And I will link the turning point website on the end and on my website. If anybody, they're definitely driven by donations um, they have a gala fair every yeah, the year, fair. and um, we've gone last yeah, year. Yeah, I appreciate you going enjoyed. with me every year. Oh my gosh, awesome. it, I love being able to support something that's so local, and especially if it's near and dear to one of my friends' right. hearts. And then you just you feel part of them, and they're a really great organization. Is there anything else on the turning point? Yeah, no, I think it just goes along with the theme of getting help, whether it's your friends, organizations. But really just, you know, I, I would go I'd go there and say, well, my doctor said this. Does that make sense? Or 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 what about trying these exercises? Or, you know, we, we talked about how to just breathe to calm yourself down, how to meditate, you know, because obviously it's anxiety filled. Like my entire uh, year right. was just, you know, anxiety filled, I think. So when I first got the phone call that we talked about in December, where there was just this anonymous voice that said the next year is, is not going to be your best year. It's, it's going to be quite hard. And I was like, okay, you know, and it, but as, as, as bad as it seemed, so many good things happened. You know, I made new friends. I got a promotion at work. I, you know, it was just, I didn't think the whole year wasn't about having cancer to me. It was, it was about living my life. I still went to work. Obviously I had a lot of flexibility. I still hung out with great friends. We went on good vacations so it was still really a good year. So I think for me, it was important, you know, not to just curl up into a ball and say I have cancer. Because so many people were like, you know, you have this company with these amazing benefits. Like I could have taken, I can't remember how much time off and it had been fully paid because of how long I've been with the company. But I really didn't want to take that time off. Right. Because I, like, what was I going to do? Like sit at home and like... Wallow in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so yeah. So so I think that, so, so I kind of, I just, I'll never forget him saying... It's not going to be a great year. Right. You know, but it wasn't really a terrible year. Right. You know, there were so many good things about it. And you probably learned more about yourself than I you did. would ever 
imagined, the things that you did and completed. I mean, get promoted while you are going through cancer treatment. That's pretty incredible. All right. So we're going to get a little bit toward the end of our talk. And I have uh, one of the main questions I ask everybody is tell me some of the junk that you have stored inside yourself, this being emotions or fears or anything. I mean, it can be related to the cancer or it can be related to something else. Yeah. I think for me, fundamentally, I've always thought, you know, I guess I have a fear of certainly the cancer coming back. So like, what am I doing? What am I putting in my body? You know, since then I've definitely, you know, taken on fruits and vegetables and, you know, and and things like that more more than ever. Like before I was like, yeah, if I have a fruit today, I have a fruit today, but I'm definitely you know, fruits and vegetables, it's like the age old, you know, your mother told you to eat your fruits and vegetables for a reason. I don't know that that's going to prevent anything. It's certainly not going to hurt anything. I agree. Um, And I think it's important for me to tell my children, fruits and vegetables, people. (laughs) It's better than preservatives. Exactly. Fresh is good. Preservatives are bad. That's That's what I'm learning. (laughs) Hey, I'm just getting there. And I I had to kick myself in the butt with it too. There's always a fear of it coming back. And then you know, I think just generally, even before the cancer diagnosis, I think I'm always like, am I good enough? Right. Am I a good enough friend? Am I a good enough mother? Am I, you know, a good enough employee? Am I a good enough wife? Right. Am I a good enough daughter? You know, all these things where you're like, I think that lots of women, we, people in general struggle right. with that. But I think women do because we're, yeah. we're the nurturers and we're the carers. Um, just struggling with, are we good enough? Is it, and we are, we, we are good enough. And that is, Something that... Yeah, I, I read something the other day that said, don't search for perfection, search for excellence. J- just try to, right. to, to, you know, and, and it's tough, you know, there are times where, you know, there are there is a girls get together, but then your daughter's going through something you're like, well, you know what, I'm not going to go to that girls right. get together. I, I planned on it. I canceled it last right. minute. Does that make me a bad friend and a good mom? No, it's just a balance. It's, yes. it's a balance of picking what, what, what is right for you at that time. You can't yes. always pick not to right. do the girls because that kind of you know, fills your cup up, but right. then you also, I mean, there's just so many, you know, I, know. I, I can't always travel. You know, I've always said, you know, February 11th, I will never travel. I don't care if what is going on, what the uh, customer is, birthdays. I'm not traveling on the birthday. Yeah. It, it's just something where you just, you know, you, right. you prioritize and, and right. you make decisions. And, and it, someone said the other day, I was telling them about this podcast we, when I was at the beach and we were walking on the beach and she's like, well, tell me what you're doing. And I was just saying, you know, how we store all the stuff. And she goes, well, you know, the junk drawer has to be cleaned out again and again. That's right. And I was like, you're absolutely right because even physically you clean out your junk drawer and then all of a sudden you start stuffing things back in there. And, you know, for me that was, I know that's the total truth because I went through so much therapy and I felt like I had cleaned out so much junk. And then this January just realized that I had built it all back up. Yeah. I think it's important also to, to hang out with people that help you clean out your junk drawer versus people who Add to your drunk drawer, yeah, you know, and you That's know, you know, very good I advice. Mean, you, you know who those people are, right? You're, you know, I mean, I can remember, you know, having a, a talk with someone a couple of weeks ago, and I was just like, this was so amazing. I need to do it. So, and you just, you, you feel like you, you had like an hour long amazing massage because you've just had right. a couple of hours of time with this person who right. just who just identifies with you and gets you and, and, you know, whether that's your husband or your friends or your family or your daughters who are just so funny and amazing. I mean, it's just right. hang out with those people who, who are cleaning it out. Yes. Good advice. Good advice, Monty. That was kind of all those questions rolled up into one. <laughs> so the last question is my funny question because we've talked a lot about all this 
all this junk, the stuff that comes up in our lives. So tell me what is the funniest, weirdest, craziest thing you've ever found in a junk drawer closet. And all right, I'm going to, I'm going to call Monty out a little bit. She <laughs> likes to shop. So I'm sure she has some really good stuff, but she might have to have five things because I don't know if she can just do one. <laughs> so you know, I think the most, because I thought about this question a lot. I was like, there's so much stuff in my drunk drawer. You know, is it all this stuff that I shop for and then maybe I use or don't use? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I forgot I have. I know. Why did I I buy this nose hair clipper (laughs) thing? (laughs) She didn't. I just made that up. But I, um, I think one of the funniest things, and I don't know if anyone else does this, but it's, um, and, and I, and I never clean it out. Every time I clean out a junk drawer, I just leave it in there. It's old passports and old driver's licenses oh. that aren't valid anymore. I just, I, I know, like, still why going? would I need this? Right. I feel like it's a government document, <laughs> and I can't throw it away. And, and just in my, case, yeah, my husband's like, it's expired, right. and you have a new one. Right, I'm like. I, I know, but it's it's passport. It was my passport at the time. You know how important those things are? Because I mean, it's your old one. I'm like, I know. Yeah. Old driver's licenses and passports. They just sit in the back of my junk drawer. Every time I clean out a junk drawer, I tuck that right back in. Do you keep Damon's too? No. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else you want to tell us about? That's it. All right. We're going to wrap it up. Um, thank you so much. This has been delightful. Uh, yeah, it's been so much I fun. hope that it has helped people. I know there's too many people out there battling cancer. There's too many people that lose their fight with cancer. And to have you sit here and have won your fight is so important. And for people, I know there's people listening that their moms or their friends or themselves are going through it. I'm going to tell you as a friend, because I have been a friend, support them even when they're not asking for it. I mean, so many people were like, what do you need? And, and, you know, you don't know what you need. You've never been through this before. But, you know, I mean, so so it's just... Call them, be there, bring yeah. them. Through. Even if they're like, and no, don't I don't say, need anything. Don't say, call me if you need anything. No, because don't say we'll that. never call we'll you. We'll never call. We will never call you because we, as Monty said, you don't know what you need, and then you already feel bad enough. So then you're like, oh, I gotta call and ask that person if they'll do something. And it's way nicer if you can just text them and say, Hey, I know you're in chemo today. Can I bring you? your favorite pizza or can I bring you some coffee? I mean, just, or can I just come by and sit sit with you? you. I'm super appreciative of you, Sue. I Uh I feel like, you know, you were definitely a friend. (laughs) (laughs) We've been, we've been through a lot together and I couldn't do life without you, Monty. Much better with you, with you in it. And on that note, we're going to say goodbye. Bye everyone. Bye. Man, wasn't that so touching? Whew. I got to take a deep breath. (sighs) Thank you, Monty, for your honesty and your openness. I know that was difficult, but you've got to know that you really helped some of our listeners. All right, guys, until next week, have a great one. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. If you like it, you can go over to iTunes and subscribe and give me a rating. You can also leave comments and questions. You can also find me at suemangum.com or mylifeisajunkdrawer.com. Hope to hear from you soon.